You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The cut down to 53, John. We got down to the 53-man roster. You and I are going to go through some of the things that jumped out at us here in just a second. Um, but what did you think was the biggest, as far as the Texans getting the roster down to 53 and the moves they made, what do you think was the biggest headliner of all these moves? First of all, I wanted to say something. You're talking about our break of having over two weeks. Used to the NFL played on Labor Day. Yeah. And the ratings always started down. And then they had to work their way back up. And because so many people were on vacation or are just not in front of the TVs back then. And so the NFL came up with the idea, okay, Let's don't play on Labor Day anymore. And that turned out to be great. And the first weekend is always tremendous ratings based on the way they do the defending Super Bowl champion playing that first game. As far as the Texans, um, you know, because of the because of the practice squad, Sean, it's 16 players, cuts are not nearly as important as they used to be. And I thought about, and I think it was Andrew Brandt who tweeted this, how many players in an entire league when almost 900 are cut are really surprises. Even two here, Ross Blacklock trade, Max Sharping cut. We discussed those all going back to the start of camp. Yeah. So they were certainly not surprises. A couple of things they did, but guys ended up on the practice squad like Marlon Mack, Jalen Camp. Mack was the biggest surprise. I thought he would be on the roster. And then Lovey Smith told us when uh, he was, I'm sorry, it was it was Nick Casario mm-hmm. that told us that he was asked about Chris Conley, and he said he thinks he'll be back sooner rather than later. And um, so I'm not even sure if they got a spot left on the practice squad, but they're going to have a lot of veteran receivers, no rookies, even Tyler Johnson from Tampa Bay, I think was a really good addition. You know, they got a young team because of all the draft choices mm-hmm. and the three undrafted free agents led by Kern Einish, Big Einy from Notre Dame, mm-hmm. who you told us about from the get-go. They're younger in, in a lot of areas, but like wide receiver, those are proven veterans at some point in their career. Yeah, so, okay, so you, you laid out quite a few things there, John, and some of them I want to dig into here. Um, the, the, it's interesting. The, the, I want to get to Blacklock in just a second, but you're right. The, the view that Nick and Lovey both have on the roster is much more of a broad inclusion of the practice squad and the one international player that they have, uh, Odile. Um, the one thing, the one distinction, and I think it was Nick that made this distinction yesterday or uh, in his press conference, or the people are listening to this on Friday, so I guess on Wednesday in his press conference, um, would be that teams can come snag those guys off your practice squad. They're all basically free agents. You know, as long as the team that's taking that person puts 
them on their 53 man roster, they can, they can snag them. So there is a delineation from that, from the standpoint of, Hey, you can't touch these 53 guys, but the next 16, you can, you can snag if you want to. And they can turn them down if they want. Yeah. I've had agents before call me and ask me, well, what about the opportunity with the Texans at this position? Because I'm trying to get my guy to stay because the team that's trying to sign him, even though he's going on the roster, it does not have as good of an opportunity. So what do you think if he stays, his chances of getting on the roster? And I'm like, well, I don't have a clue about that, but here's who he's got ahead of him. And that's not often. Plus you can pay him more money if you want to get him. Most guys who are invited to go to another team and be on the roster for the rest of the season do it. Very seldom do you see them turn them down, but they can John, that's interesting. So you've had agents call you just to get the lay of the land to find out what the opportunity was like, like to get your get your take on what things look like with the Texans uh, as far as opportunity, because his because that particular agent's uh, client had it was assessing whether or not to stay on a practice squad or go play for an NFL team. Yep, and also the uh, the possibilities of getting elevated to the roster. Yep, and uh, I can't even remember who the play player was. He was a cornerback. I've known the agent forever. And uh, the Packers were trying to get him. And this mm-hmm. was back when the Texans were winning a division uh, under Gary Kubiak. And I told him at the time, I said, well, if he stays here, there's a good chance he's going to be activated soon because so-and-so's injured and so-and-so's not playing very well. And he said, that's all I need. So they turned down the Packers. He stayed here. He got activated. And it wasn't long before he got cut. <laughs> Well, hey, he got activated, you know. Hey, once John, once he gets on the roster, it's on him to stay on the roster. You you just gave information. That's all. Um, As far as Ross Blacklock goes, that to me was the headline. As far as you're right, there were very few surprises when it came to the Texans um, and the roster. Mac, I think, was a a bit of a surprise to some. but Blacklock is the headliner because in some ways it's the headliner because we've been waiting for this all camp for, for the, the other shoe to drop on Ross Blacklock. And it did in the form of a trade to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, John, to me, the biggest part of this headline is total bust of a pick by Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby. And this essentially, unless the six round pick they got for Blacklock turns into Tom Brady, this basically closes the book on the DeAndre Hopkins trade, which was a horrible trade the day it was made. It was a horrible trade the day they drafted Ross Blacklock. It was a horrible trade the day that they first started handing the ball off to David Johnson. And here in early September of 2022, it is confirmed that is the worst trade in the history of the franchise. He just never produced. When you're a second-round pick, and that's the round he was supposed to go in. I was at the Combine when he came out of TCU, and there were some mock drafts. He didn't go in bottom of the first round. Most had him going early in the second. And I remember thinking, man, this is going to be a good pick. And I don't know what happened, but, you know, you when you are a second-round pick and you get beat out by a sixth-round pick, Roy Lopez, and then an undrafted free agent, Big Heine, comes in there, and he makes plays in a backfield that you don't make, you know you're gone. And I'm sure he was shaken up but because it's his hometown yeah. and his parents are here, but he can't be surprised. I was surprised that Casario got a sixth-round pick for him. He's got a lot of sixth-round picks. Right now, I think they have 12 picks next year, and – 
John Manchie the third will be like another two. So I don't expect Casario will sit around on his hands while and use all those picks. I think he'll be trading those picks and using them to bring in bring in other players or be part of deals for other players. Yeah, they've got four sixth round picks in the next draft. I was looking up uh, the Texans actually listed their draft capital on their website yesterday. They've got four sixth-round picks after the Blacklock trade. So, yeah, you know, Nick Nick is all about using those like you use chips at a casino, you know, as opposed to holding on to them and actually drafting. I mean, he may draft some players with him, but I guarantee you, John, that at least two of those four sixth-round picks are probably going to be on the move at some point, uh, either for a player or as part of some sort of package, I would think. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So Blacklock gone in a trade and then Max Sharping cut, which John leaves us with only three players that were drafted by the Texans before Nick Casario got into the building. Titus Howard, the 23rd overall pick in 2019, Jonathan Grenard, third round pick in 2020, and Charlie Heck, backup swing tackle, fourth round pick in 2020. That's it. That John, that is one of the most stunning uh, roster composition anecdotes or factoids that I think I've ever experienced in my years of covering the NFL. It's stunning, Sean, but it's not as astonishing as the Raiders and their run of bad oh. first-round picks, which is the worst I've ever seen. You know, the Vikings, new coach, new GM, they've gotten rid of a lot of last year's draft choices. It's almost like you bring in a new head coach and he's working with a GM who had brought in these players. They're not likely to get rid of as many. But if you do like the Vikings and the, and the Raiders and you bring in a new head coach and a new general manager – it's more likely a lot of those draft choices are gone. It's like it's like Serio told us. He doesn't care where guys were drafted. That yeah. doesn't mean anything to him. All he cares about right now is Indianapolis and what they can do to improve the team and try to upset the Colts. Um, the three undrafted free agents that made it, John, you mentioned Big Heine, Kurt Heinish, Jake Hansen, the linebacker who played for Lovey Smith at Illinois, and then Troy Hairston, who's a, a pretty interesting story himself, a former defensive player at Central Michigan, played linebacker there, who uh, they turned into uh, a fullback. They worked him out. Nick Casario told that story with Seth and myself Thursday morning with us, the story of how they came across Troy Hairston and putting him through defensive player workouts, but then putting him through fullback-style workouts. And now he's here. He made the team as a fullback. Um, this John, this this uh, particular year of young players the Texans have brought in, this is what this is exactly what the doctor ordered for this football team. Uh, all, what is it, nine draft picks they had? All nine draft picks make the team. Mechie, obviously, is a separate case because of, he's battling leukemia. As you mentioned, hopefully he gets well and he's viewed as a draft pick next year. But all eight of the other draft picks make the football team. It looks like several of them are, are primed to contribute in a big, big way. And... They get three undrafted free agents. One is, is going to be for sure a rotational defensive lineman in Heinish, 
Hanson, my guess, if he's active on game days, is going to at the very least be running down on special teams. And then Troy Hairston is your starting fullback. This rookie class, John, if, if Nick is able to replicate this again next year and Davis Mills develops, you know, fingers crossed, this rebuild could get really, really accelerated in a division that's not very strong right now. That's why I've been saying since the draft, I think there'll be a wild card contender next year. People think I'm nuts. Landry Locker and John Lopez almost passed out. They're nuts. When I said that, yes, they are. And also, don't forget, besides having all those picks, in 2023, he's going to have about 80 million under the cap. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, he'll be able to get a couple of good free agents who cost some money for need positions and still just fill in roster spots. Yeah. John, how do you feel? You know, as long as you're bringing up the cap space, and we're going to get to some mailbag questions in just a second, uh, HOU mailbag at gmail.com. If you want to jot that email address down, we'll give it out again. Um, you bring up the 80 million in cap space. Let's pretend for a second that this draft class turns out to be what we think they are, which is pretty good. They, they get another good round of rookies next year. And so, like you said, they've got some free agency money to spend. Do you feel like this team has kind of been able to uh, put some deodorant on the stigma that they had a couple of years ago where people were wondering that if anybody would ever want to sign to play with the Texans ever again, when they were in the middle of the most dysfunctional era in the history of, maybe any franchise, quite honestly, do you feel like that they've kind of cleansed themselves of that stigma for free agents? I do. And free agents will come to you if you pay them. Yeah. Look at Jacksonville. How many Jacksonville wanted to win March and they did. Yeah. And the Jaguars were the worst team in the league, worst team in the league two years in a row. If you overpay, which a team like Jacksonville has to do, they're going to go there. And in the Texans case, I, I think it's all predicated on Mills because it's going to be a great quarterback draft. And I'm amazed at how many people continue to have the Texans as the worst team in the league. I saw one guy I really respect said he wrote that he thought they were going to take a step back from their four wins last season, which I don't understand whatsoever. I think they'll finish. I'm going to pick officially pick them next week, six and 11. But um, if, if Mills can be their quarterback, and it's going to have to he's going to have to be really good, as you know, to bypass guys, say, like C.J. Stroud or uh, Young at Alabama. Yeah. There's a Kentucky quarterback everybody likes. Will Levis, yep. In Florida. And so he's going to have to be really good. They don't know yet. You know, they hope he is. They think he has what it takes. A lot of it is people around him. But I think uh, the fact – Casario gets a lot of respect of what he's doing around the league. And I saw a thing with agents and the athletic, I think, or ESPN had surveyed a bunch of agents about a lot of things. And when they put uh, uh, others getting votes on like best front office people, Casario was in there. And I don't know anybody that isn't impressed with what he's done when you consider uh, he faced that massive rebuild without a one or two to start off. And I like the philosophy. And I think people, agents, understand where they're going. And it's not like they play in an AFC West. Yeah. You know, right now, Titans seem to be worse than they were. I don't see the Colts being much better than they were. Maybe they can win at Jacksonville this year. But um, I, I, I think that stigma, that stench is gone. And one reason is, is Jack Easterby. Jack has been neutered. 
You know, he doesn't have the influence in the organization that he had last year and the year in 1920 and 21. He just doesn't. No longer on the sidelines, no longer has anything to do with media relations. And um, he's there, but around the league, instead of the first thing they ask is about Easterby, nobody's asking about him anymore. Yeah. Because, you know, he had his footballs cut off. <laughs> Good way to put it, John. He had his footballs cut off. 